sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. Every Monday through Friday from noon to 2 Eastern, it is me, Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia, as we got you covered for the upcoming fantasy football season. Right now, we're in the thick of the 2020 fantasy baseball season, and we're keeping that discussion alive here in the month of August. We have the NHL playoffs underway in their bubble. NBA playoffs getting set to start next week as well. Before we get to our top stories of the day, we've got a little bit of breaking news here in the NFL. Doesn't affect fantasy all that much, Joe, but the Buffalo Bills have rewarded Sean McDermott with a contract extension. And McDermott, I would think, Joe, is one of the better coaches in the NFL. Seems to get the most out of his players for sure. But at the same time, I think that what Buffalo does here is take that pressure off of McDermott going into either his last or final year Uh, under contract with the Bills, but let's make no mistake about it, Joe, going into 2020, there's an enormous amount of pressure on the Buffalo Bills because of certainly the expectation, at least, that the Patriots are going to take a step back this year. Yeah, and it's it's always the difference, right? And first of all, congratulations to McDermott. It's a great move there. I think he's done a wonderful job, and that secondary especially has played so well in the last two years. It was it was not surprising. And look, a great job, too, by the organization, bringing in all this talent on the defensive side of the football. And look, Josh Allen's still a work in progress. I mean, if you think Josh Allen is done in terms of developing as a quarterback, then you're not paying attention. Uh, so as a fantasy quarterback, very relevant. As a real-life quarterback, there's still some things there that he has to tweak and, and get better at and a lot of other uh, things and just because you add Stephon Diggs doesn't all of a sudden make him a, a better pocket passer. So we'll see what happens here. Not the easiest offseason to make a big jump, but I, I would agree with you. I think it's very different when you are kind of the outside darling, when you're the good story, when you're the underdog. It's a whole other thing when you have expectations. And on FanDuel, they were the favorite before the Cam Newton signing. Now New England's actually right. gone past them in terms of the favorite in that division, which is not surprising. But it's still very close. However, I think there are a lot of people who still will consider, especially the opt-outs the Patriots have had, that the Bills could very well be the favorite in that division. So how do you respond now? How do you respond now that you are the go-to, now that you are the Buffalo Bills that people have expectations? It's going to be fascinating to watch. I think McDermott will have them ready. But again, my question is, can you get the big-time plays again that you get out of Josh Allen last year that got you into the playoffs? Or do you see any kind of regression in terms of that development? Because there's still a lot of work to be done. There's still a lot of moments there where, again, the accuracy isn't there, the reading of the defense isn't there, and he makes plays with his athleticism, which is great. But I don't know if that's something you can rely on consistently, uh, especially when you're battling out guys like Bill Belichick in in that division for a a title. Yeah, and uh, a quick fantasy football question I want to get to here. First, let's go over the top uh, stories uh, thus far in sports today and in fantasy sports today. In case you missed it last night, a six-hour game between the Lightning and Blue Jackets in the playoffs. They went five overtimes yesterday. Go back and watch our show on demand if you're just joining us, and you can see us break down everything that happened in that game. Aaron Judge hit his ninth home run for the Yankees. We'll see what he is in store for today. Charlie Blackman's batting average is 500. Of course, no one has hit 400 since Ted Williams, and we've never had a 60-game season before, and so that discussion has come up. We'll touch on that in fantasy reality. 
Ronald Acuna Jr., we probably will get an update here in about an hour on, on his wrist. He's having it examined in New York and how long he'll be out of the lineup. Maybe he'll be right back in the lineup. We just don't know at this point. But if you're in a daily league, keep an eye on that. No replacing him. Worth keeping him until you know anything. Damian Lillard got some really good accolades from a lot of players in the NBA last night for his 61-game performance. This guy always puts up 50s and 60s. Dwayne Wade on Twitter said uh, this is just a different guy in Dame Lillard, and maybe he can single-handedly get Portland to the Western Conference Finals or maybe even beyond. We'll see. Uh, Giannis ejected a strange headbutting incident on Mo Wagner, really uncalled for. He'll get suspended probably for at least a game. Don't know if it'll be longer than that. If it's any longer than that, then that puts the playoffs somewhat in jeopardy. I would doubt that that would happen. And the Big 12 this morning put out their schedule saying that they're going to play in non-conference games on the 12th, conference games on the 26th. So they join the ACC and the SEC in terms of conferences that say that they are going to play. The 12th of August is today. So that means the college football season is one month from today? Okay, sure. I guess so. We'll see. I hope so, certainly. But we're going to have to wait and see, uh, certainly, on that. The other uh, point that I wanted to touch on, Joe, is that this morning I got an email from my commissioner, and we kind of co-commissioner the league, but essentially of my fantasy football league in 2020. Now, we have done this league for 30 years. And it's out of the 12 teams that we have in the league, it's it's the same four or five that started off with. And it's been you know, a mix of six or seven, but legitimately 30 years. We have a plaque. We've been doing this for forever, a long time, going back to Randall Cunningham. I mean, it's that far back. And we always do the draft on Labor Day this year, which is going to be the Monday, of course, before the first game on Thursday night. But, Joe, what we're discussing right now, and really, if we can, unless and if we don't, as we welcome in our radio listeners here, I mean, my suggestion was to do the draft the night before the NFL season, or, or nobody should complain. Because I got to tell you, I think going into Saturday of the first Sunday of the NFL season, you're going to have guys out that you didn't think were out. And I, I know you can't avoid that, and I know that every fantasy football draft has to be done by Thursday night, right? Like, like I think you have to have the draft done. But... Why not wait till the night before? That's what I'm at least advocating for. And it's not a matter of prep. It's a matter of just taking as much luck as I can out of it. Well, and I understand what you're getting at. I mean, we had everybody ready to go Major League Baseball, and then what happened two weeks into the season. So you can basically throw out all the best intentions that you want and just kind of take them, and unfortunately, you could toss them out the window because we just have learned that, unfortunately, with Major League Baseball. But you're not wrong. I would definitely be a proponent of pushing drafts as late as you can, whether it's the weekend before the Thursday game or the actual uh, – look, without preseason games, it's all kind of moot anyway. But I would definitely say wait as long as you can. If you could wait till the night before the season starts, that's great because if you're taking more variants out of it. I certainly agree with that. But I know a lot of people like to try to get together or have them on the weekends because of work stuff. So you know what? I think the Sunday before the Thursday game is also viable. I don't think it will be, but take that shot. <laughs> See what happens. We'll be back with a baseball preview of today's games. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizapia. And a couple of quick news and notes. Los Angeles Dodgers, they recalled Tony Gonsolin for their alternate training site. He'll start for the Dodgers on Wednesday against the Padres. And uh, he was really, really good last year. So the Dodgers just keep finding ways to call up pitchers and find pitchers. Not a huge surprise they let Hunjin Ru go because Gonsolin has a chance to be a special pitcher as well. We'll keep an eye on him later today. But first, Joe, let's preview a couple of games in Major League Baseball today. And, of course, the big news surrounding the Indians, clearly, is them not having two of their starting pitchers in Zach Blesak and Mike Clevenger, who are now on quarantine. Now, the news with them, specifically from Terry Francona, is he said that Friday is a possibility for them to return. But, of course, they're going to have to undergo testing. And that just kind of shows you where Major League Baseball is out with this testing. They have them out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That gives them the opportunity to take uh, tests within a 72-hour period, three days from Monday to Tuesday, Tuesday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Thursday. And then if they don't test positive by that time, that in all likelihood would mean that they didn't contract the virus. It seems like that three- to four-day window from the time infected is the time that you get it, at least from baseball's perspective. Uh, There are some, of course, CDC reports that say that you can get it from five to 14 days, but baseball's using, using three to four days. That's what they're choosing to go with at this point based on what health officials have told them. So that means all the pressure is now on the starters that they do have, Bieber, Plutko, and tonight's starter, Carlos Carrasco, for the Cleveland Indians. And as you can see, a pretty significant favorite. The Tribe are minus 143 against the Chicago Cubs. The game time is 6-10 Eastern. The total is 7.5. Kyle Hendricks has also been good for the Cubs. No shock here. The whip is good, 0.93. The ERA is pretty much where it should be, and he is 2-1 and one on the season. But the Cubs have been one of the bigger surprises in baseball with their record. They've been able to hit and get some timely pitching performances. And most importantly, even without Kimbrell, their bullpen has been great. So uh, tonight, Cleveland goes against Chicago. And, Joe, you would expect a pretty inspired performance of Carlos Carrasco, who had to be a little bit shaken up knowing that two of his teammates decided to break the protocol yeah. here. But, look, when a game begins, you never know what can happen in this one. Um, you know, certainly you're laying big money here on Cleveland at minus 140 if you think that they're going to win tonight. Yeah, and, and you just touched on something that, you know, really we should have discussed more and bad job on us for not. Uh, not only were we, you know, flabbergasted at what Police Act did and Clevenger, but also like one of your rotation mates just came back from battling cancer. I mean, gosh, I can't imagine what was going through Carlos Carrasco's head. And I even like, you know, just trying to process the one story before you even think about the repercussions of the other guys potentially. And I, Uh, Unfortunately, my mind didn't even get a chance to embrace that because I was so frustrated with what they did. But I think one of the best stories of 2020 has to be the bounce back of Carrasco because certainly last year you saw this guy struggle and and obviously it was a very emotional, tumultuous season for Carrasco. And he's been absolutely dazzling so far. The ERA is sitting at two and a half. And and the Cubs are a team that, you know, has been kind of up and down. You've had some moments with Chris Bryant. Hap has had a couple of moments there. But you mentioned Hayward had a big game, you know, at the top of the show today. But it's really all the pieces haven't really clicked for the Cubs yet. And Hendricks on the road has not been the same pitcher as he's been at home. You go look at last year's stats. They're really glaring in terms of splits. And I think all of that leads you to believe that even though the Indians are a heavy favorite today, it's definitely a way to lean. Because when you factor in how good Carrasco has been, how bad Hendricks has been or spotty at the very least on the road in the last year or so. And then this Cubs offense, which really hasn't clicked on all cylinders. I think you can feel just a little bit more confident on the, the heavy favorite here, which would be the Cleveland Indians. But my goodness, I mean, one of your teammates, I mean, if we're not going to respect our own teammates and their life and death struggles, where are we? I mean, it's just so frustrating to even sit and think about, Craig. Yeah, and I thought Francisco Lindor said it best yesterday and, and when he did mention Carrasco specifically as a guy that needs to be respected and understood 
Uh, and and this is why, honestly, with the with the NFL, like you got to police those guys too, and and it needs to be that strict because I don't know Mike Clevenger personally, and I definitely do not know Zach Plesac personally, but clearly. These were two guys that did not think that this was a big deal and chose to make a decision that fortunately didn't cost anyone anything to this point. So I can only imagine with 50 or 60 guys in the NFL what it will require one guy leaving. And I just really hope that you can't have a bubble situation. It's six months. It's too long. There's too many guys. I just hope that there's a higher level of discipline than at least what's being planned right now. Uh, because that would really disappoint me. If not, and I would, again, not worry about the beginning of the season. I'd worry about October, November, guys getting antsy. I hope that isn't the case. But uh, I'm with you. Easy to lean on Cleveland tonight, although the Cubs have played great baseball for sure. Okay, 7.30 Eastern. Let's find a way to take the Red Sox here tonight. It is tough, that's for sure. The Rays are minus 168. They're coming on strong in the East. The total is 8.5. The starters tonight, Blake Snell, who's starting to go a little bit longer into games now, 3.38 earned run average. 1.38 whip. Zach Godley has been a nice surprise for Boston because this is about as good as you're going to get from a starter on Boston this season. 0-1 with a 3.97 earn run average and a 1.50 whip. The total at 8.5 sort of tells you that there are some runs to be had here, so that would mean to me that there is certainly no lock on 168. Uh, if I had to do anything with this game, it would be taking the Rays minus a run and a half and getting this number down to like minus 110 or minus 100 or even a plus because certainly I'm not laying 168 in any Major League Baseball game. I'm more of a dog better, and the Red Sox are at home, but they just have not really inspired me to take them at any point this season. So my lean would be minus run and a half. You don't see the odds there, but you can certainly take any team uh, with the spread of minus one and a half on FanDuel. That would be my lean here. Yeah, and and although Blake Snell is a very talented pitcher, uh, again, where where is the seven-inning starts here? Where Where is he ready to go? Is this the day? We don't know. And I think at 168, that puts a lot of question. I like kind of your approach, which you're saying is kind of pay to get down a little bit. And then it's a little bit more uh, digestible, I guess. But uh, look, you know, the Red Sox have that kind of lineup, too, that in any given night, they can go out there with guys like J.D. Martinez endeavors and really put a hurting on any pitcher, no matter how good they are. And Blake Snell is better than most, without a doubt. You also have to wonder how often, how quickly the bullpen is going to get involved in this one too. And that's where everything kind of goes crazy. I mean, if you look at the total the last couple of nights and I know we had games in Colorado too, but there were 35 runs scored the last few days in Colorado. You look at uh, between these two teams, the last few days, there's been a double digit runs scored in both of those games. So I, I mean, we might just be at this point here where, you know, maybe this is just not the year of pitching outside of guys like Dylan Bundy and a couple other stories. Maybe this is a, a story of 2020 being about offense and about the bats and about, you know, soft bullpens really giving up a lot of runs because it's starting to feel like that's kind of the theme of the season. Yeah, and and look, I, I think that it's understandable and it's it's really hard to imagine that that you could have such little time to prepare for a season and then come back and have great pitching because normally in spring training, the pitchers are ahead of the hitters, but at this right. point, a lot of these guys were forced to be in situations um, that they haven't before. So I definitely think that that is a uh, big part of it. Um, give you a quick update here on the uh, White Sox and Tigers. They are underway here in the, looks like the top of the first inning here. And uh, Tim Anderson uh, hit a home run off Matthew Boyd to lead off the game. It was a solo shot for Tim Anderson. And then the very next batter was Eloy Jimenez, who after hitting a home run yesterday, hit another home run today. So that gives him five on the season. And I think that, uh, look, it's, it's, it's a bad start for Boyd. His ERA is now pushing 10 
what can you say? It's it's been now almost a year of Boyd not pitching well since the break last year. Uh, on the flip side, I would say this: Eloy Jimenez is a nice buy right now. Uh, this guy has 40 home run power in a big league season. He had a slow first week, and since then he's been red hot. I'm in on him moving forward. Uh, well, look, I had all the shares last year in as many dynasty keeper leagues as I could because. To me, this guy has, and I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but I think he's got Manny Ramirez type upside as a right-handed hitter. And this is one of those kind of things like you just watch this guy and you watch the work ethic. I think he could be that good. Um, And it's, I feel bad for Matthew Boyd, but it's just what it is right now. I mean, just what last hour in the show, when we were talking about the White Sox, would we say, if you're going to play in the afternoon slate, keep it simple. We were talking about that Sensatella game in Colorado. I said, go get all the White Sox. You know, we've got two home runs here in the first inning. It's just what it is right now. Matthew Boyd is just giving home runs up at an obscene rate right now. And I think they're going to have to take him out of the rotation after this, Craig. And I don't know if that's what Detroit wants to do. I'm sure they don't, but they don't have a choice at this point. It seems like it's just going there. Get this guy cleared out. Maybe, maybe get him straight. Find out what's going on with him mechanically or, or physically, whatever it is. But right now the guy is just a home run machine and he just can't have that going out. They're taking the ball over fifth day. Interestingly enough, that's the first live game we've had an update on here on Fantasy Sports <laughs> Today all season long. First game that we actually were able to uh, discuss. First 1 o'clock Eastern game, wow. interestingly. Uh, as well, uh, first hockey game update that we can give you. And Chris, of course, <laughs> will have the updates on everything going on. As the Bruins lead the Hurricanes 3-2, to two, they are in the third period. The total was 5.5, so one more goal will push that over. There's 12 minutes to do that. And Austin was minus 140 in the game. So you're looking good if you have Austin. We'll be back with uh, the football discussion. Stay tuned for that. Fantasy's on deck. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today, right here on Sports Grid. Joe Pizapia with you. And our next guest is somebody that I love to see in my drafts because she is great fun to be in a draft with. But I also hate to see her in drafts in my leagues because she is so hard to beat, and that is a fact. There's a very small handful of people that I see them and I go, oh, man, I got to compete against this person. And one and our next guest is one of those folks for sure. She is with Football Diehard. She's the one, the only. Jersey Jen. Jen Ryan, Jen, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you? Good, thank you. I'm I'm glad we finally got to make this happen. And uh, and yeah, like we were just talking about, I see your belt back there. And right. despite me having the most points last year, I just couldn't get it from you. Yeah, points are pretty, but it's all about W's at the end of the day, Jen. It's yeah. it's all about W's and winning when it matters. That's for sure. And I'm gonna take it while I can get it. And I, and if you win this year, I will be very happy. There's no doubt about that. It's a great group, and we are part of the. Flex League, Super Flex League. And it's an expert league, which means guys like Adam Ronis, people like Elliot Chris, uh, Jake Seeley, all those folks. It's Jake's League, actually. And Jen and I are two of the participants, as well as Dane Martinez uh, of this very network. And, you know, for some people who don't know out there, Super Flex, again, is kind of a rising format, which is where you get to that other that other flex position where you get to play a quarterback, which to me is exactly what it should be. You should be playing more quarterbacks. They should be more important in our game because they're some of the highest point getters. And the quarterback position is the most integral piece of any football team. So 
I love the Superflex format. I'm curious, do you love it as much as I do? And are you somebody that has an approach to these drafts? Like you're going to leave the first few rounds with two quarterbacks, or are you just going to let the board come to you? So what's the approach and what's your feeling about Superflex right now in 2020 as basically an emerging, oh, I don't want to say new standard, but something that's starting to get more and more popular every year? I love Superflex. I mean, who doesn't like points, right? That's that's kind of all we cheer for. And this is my only Superflex league. I mean, my home leagues are a bunch of dinosaurs. Getting to change anything is just nearly impossible. So I really look forward to this league every year. Um, my approach really, I kind of, it, it changes. I mean, last year I totally waited on quarterback. I was the last person in the league to take quarterbacks. This year I jumped a little early. Um, I punted running back a little bit, so I took Russell Wilson as my first quarterback to kind of make up for some of that rushing production, and I think I actually rounded out my quarterbacks pretty good. I've got Russ, Aaron Rodgers, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and what Jen did is something I like to do as well, which is to make sure that you get a third quarterback for those bye weeks. And also just this year with injuries and, and COVID and all these other things going on, having that third quarterback not only weakens the pool for everybody else, but at the same time, you might need that depth potentially as well. So it's something to to definitely understand. I, I ended up with Dak Prescott and Matt Ryan there and then Sam Darnold a little later on. So uh, once again, it's it's one of those things where the philosophy in Superflex really can can change. It depends on, you know, where you are in the draft, where your slot is. And the one thing that I always notice in Superflex lately, Jen, is that well, one thing that tends to get suppressed in terms of value is the wide receivers and the wide receivers tend to go a little bit later. People still attack running back. They'll attack quarterback, especially if there's an early run. But did you find that also? I found that last year and this year a little bit as well, that there seems to be a little bit of value when it comes to the wide receiver position as they kind of get bumped a little bit further down the trough in lieu of obviously running back and and wide and excuse me, and quarterback as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in general across all formats, we're seeing huge value at wide receiver this year because everybody's chasing those early round running backs. And so, I mean, I don't even want to say it out loud because it's so controversial, but it's almost like we're in a zero RB year where, um, like, like uh, you know, everybody's loading up early and you can grab one bell cow because you know these receivers are going to be down towards the end. I mean, I, I can't even remember what round I got Robert Woods in, but I got the potential wide receiver one on one of the most explosive offenses, you know, in fantasy, definitely in like the middle rounds. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a total trend uh, this year, you know, everybody's loading up on those running backs early. Yeah. And, and I can understand why too. Let's, let's talk about some of the names out there who are in this, you know, second tier of quarterbacks. Everybody knows the elite group, obviously. And, and I am somebody that will reach for the elite group of quarterbacks. If that, you know, if the board allows such, because I do think there is a distinct advantage, but for those that don't, or for those who are looking for those second quarterbacks, I know Cam Newton's been a very uh, uh, popular name lately too, kind of getting back into people's consciousness. Are you somebody that feels confident with Cam Newton in this position on basically a show me contract one year deal with the Patriots? Not maybe getting back to MVP Cam Newton, but maybe getting back to fantasy relevant Cam Newton this year as a QB two. I am a thousand percent in on Cam Newton. Um, the the value for him is ridiculous. I mean, not only is he a super athlete, you know, we can talk about health, but this is this is a violent sport. Anybody could get right. hurt. But I think what people forget with Cam is he's the goal line back in the offense. I mean, he's he's the one when they're on the goal line, he is just diving over or he is plowing through people and he's scoring the touchdowns. I mean, his his rushing touchdown upside, just his overall rushing upside. I mean, even if we see 75% of what we saw of Cam Newton during that MVP season, we're still looking at a guy who's probably better than 
you know, at least 20 other quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I think it's a fantastic value. And I don't want him to get too high up there in ADP. I want him to kind of stay just where he is right now. I think it's that perfect spot. Uh, let's talk about another controversial name and, and let's hit on Baker Mayfield for a moment because this was a guy last year everybody was wanting to put into that QB1 conversation. Let's just be kind and say it didn't quite work out that way for Baker. But new coach, new OC, new system here. Is that enough with all these weapons he's got to buy back in? Or are all these running backs there potentially hurtful for him and his fantasy value as a, as a quarterback too? Uh, no, I'm buying back in because it's not just the new regime. You have a now healthy Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Both were dinged up last year. And, you know, you look at win totals. Um, they're not expected to be a 500 team. That equates to garbage time and playing for behind. And that's really where quarterbacks can uh, get you those fantasy points. Now, sometimes it's really tough, Jen, because, you know, we see something and we've seen maybe guys in the past not play well, then all of a sudden they come on and have a great year like Ryan Tannehill. And it's it's a little dangerous because you look at the fantasy points and you go, wow, this guy was pretty productive. Hey, he helped me win that belt right there. I'm not going to sure lie. It was, he, was a, he was one of the best pickups I made last year, and that was uh, after losing Patrick Mahomes to an injury for a short period. But do we buy in for a second year? Did everything break right? Or is this a guy who's finally realizing the potential? Because I think it's a very good question to ask. And I got to be honest with you. I feel it's more like lightning in a bottle and I'm kind of staying away from it. I'm not going to begrudge other people for taking that shot. But is there a clarity for you on that? Do you think this is a guy to take a shot on? Because maybe there's enough people like me who don't buy in. Or is there something really that's a little worrisome when you consider the longer body of work for Ryan Tannehill? Sure, definitely. And and not only the longer body of work for Tannehill, but Derrick Henry and his 300 carries. Although oh, is that all? Tannehill <laughs> still managed to have that that rushing upside, which was which was you know incredible to see. Here's what I'll say about Tannehill: If you're in a league with people like me or you who are a little weary on him, and you're drafting him a little bit later, I think it's okay. Do I want to draft him at his ceiling? Definitely not. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think if you can get a discount, like I don't think you can get him as your third quarterback, but uh, who knows? You never know when things like this happen in drafts. Let's talk about the rookie too. Let's get into the, the big hot rookie of Joe Burrow, because that's another polarizing one. A lot of people uh, I know, like Mike Tagliere has got him very high this year. He thinks he's going to end up as a low end QB one. Um, certainly a healthy AJ Green helps. Certainly Joe Mixon in camp would help for sure as well. So if all that, you know, goes week one as planned, that's great. But do you see that, you know, that success, that massive success that Burrow had in college just immediately filtering over to the pros? Or do you think there is more of a learning curve here for him? And in terms of fantasy, that could be a little bit of a detriment as a QB2. Look, I think there's absolutely a learning curve. Am I expecting him to throw for seven, eight touchdowns a game? Absolutely not. This is college. <laughs> I mean, these guys are much bigger. They're much faster. And, of course, they hit so much harder, right? It's a, it's going to be a more complicated offense, too. Um, but what you love going for Burrow is, like you said, the talent surrounding him. And there really is zero competition. I mean, he is the starter. He's not going to have a short leash. You know, you're not it's not like a right. Fitzpatrick to a situation like it is super, super clear what his role is. Um, so you sort of have to be excited for him. And again, like you mentioned, A.J. Green, he's another I mean, you look where he's going. If he's healthy and he's fine, I mean, he's going to be a league winner. So excited for that whole offense. Well, I hope so, because he's on my roster in our league. I very yeah. hope so. That'd be lovely. League winner. <laughs> you heard it here first from Jen Ryan. League winner, A.J. Green. All right. I want to talk about the guy on your team for a second, if I may. I want to talk about your third string quarterback. As a third quarterback, I got no qualms about it. But I feel like 
you know, we've seen enough of these Super Bowl hangovers in the last few years. It gives me pause. And Jimmy Garoppolo still, to me, has a lot of warts at the quarterback position. I know he had some moments. He made some plays. Not going to take anything away from him, especially in that playoff run. But when you look at basically who he's got here, Debo is going to be hurt to start the season. He's got Kittle. Yeah, they're going to run the football a ton. Is he really appealing as a quarterback, too? I know as a quarterback, three, I, I'm with you 100%. Fill the bye weeks. Don't screw up, kid. You're good. But as a QB, two, would you have the same kind of confidence in Garoppolo? I think I maybe would. Here's my thing with Garoppolo. He is the quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Joe, if you were the quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's <laughs> offense, hey, you'd have a spot on my team. Yeah, I'm still good. Don't worry about it. I can still throw <laughs> and, the ball over. <laughs> and really, look, if he's got that week 11 bye week, um, I, my other two quarterbacks have early bye weeks. God forbid this season, knock on wood, is cut short. I know I'll have Garoppolo for that first half of the season. So I think with the uniqueness of COVID this year, that's sort of something we have to look at, too. I just needed a guy with a later bye week. Yeah, and and that's exactly true too. And I'll tell you what, I keep telling everybody also, if you have, you know, people with with certain bye weeks, keep an eye on Tua. I think Tua is going to play a lot more games than other people do. I just think that kid is a competitor. He's going to compete his way on to playing more games. I know we only got like about a minute left or so. So I just want to talk about this last guy here on the list. And it's Daniel Jones because he seems to be buzzing right now in the fantasy community. A lot of the metrics love him. When you consider last year, when you know he didn't have all those weapons on the field just one time, 30 seconds, tell me, do you think Daniel Jones can carry over the beginning of that success with a healthy Saquon into this year? Or is this basically people getting set up for failure here with Daniel Jones? No, I think he's in good hands with Jason Garrett. That guy's a QB whisperer. He took undrafted free agent Tony Romo. That worked out pretty good. Fourth round pick Dak Prescott. That worked out really good. Former quarterback himself. I think he's in really good hands and really they're set up to thrive on the run. So Daniel Jones would be just fine. All right, you can go check her out at Football Diehards and go follow her on Twitter at FFDegenerate, and that's Degenerate with a J. Don't get confused about that. Jen, I wish you all the luck in our Superflex League. I told you I love competing against you. I, I always, Every time I look at your rosters in any league I'm in, I always go, how did she do that? How did she, how did she pull that off every time? So, look, for now, this belt's going to stay here. If the 2020 belt goes to you, I can live with it. I just want you to know I can live with that. So best of luck. May all your teams stay healthy. And again, go follow her on Twitter. We're going to hit a break right here on Fantasy Sports Today. We'll be right back right here on Sports Grid right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Thanks again to Jen Ryan for coming on the show. In case you missed her discussion with Joe on some fantasy football tidbits in terms of quarterbacks, make sure you catch our show on demand. SportsGrid.com. We've got a great YouTube channel where you can catch all of our shows, the early line, the morning after, Pharrell Coast to Coast, In Game Live, Gabe Morency. Some great shows we have going on here. If you're just watching us for the first time, make sure you go over to our YouTube site and over to SportsGrid.com. Like and subscribe to our show. Set your notifications to on, and every day you can catch us either live or on demand here on the show. Joe, it's time to play a little fantasy or reality for today. We're in the prediction business, I suppose, but coming up with predictions on a couple of these is going to be really, really tough today, but we'll dive right into it. Yes, the no no prediction or no 
fake prediction is too tough for us to tackle. I think we've proven that in the past, Greg. Well, we will try. And let's get started and start off with the college football season. And here we go. Fantasy or reality. The 2020 college football season will, should, can, may be played with just the SEC and ACC. And this comes from a tweet yesterday, Joe, from Pat Dooley of the Gainesville Sun, who uh, said that Steve Spurrier, the former ball coach at the University of Florida and at South Carolina, said, well, the championship in the college football is going to be won by SEC or ACC anyway, so it should just be those two conferences. That's my best Steve Spurrier imitation. Yeah, and he would be right. Joe, the last decade, eight of the last ten champs have come from the SEC or the ACC. So, fantasy or reality, take it or leave it, SEC, ACC, and nothing else. Can we get you to do a whole segment wearing a visor and doing that voice? Because that would be tremendous, first of all. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, that would that would be tremendous. I definitely want to get the visor and that voice more often on this program as much as we can. I'm going to go with the wording here and should. Should they play with just those two? And I, and I think that's a fantasy. I, I don't think they should. I think for the integrity of college football as a whole, you kind of want everybody playing or not. I just think it's the better way to go. And if it means you have to wait to the spring and you could get it off there in the spring and, and make it work and it's safer and everyone's protected and you have more time to plan it out and also have more time potentially for a vaccine or whatever else might be coming in the winter of 2021, it would seem like the better course of action. That being said, the comments are not wrong. Yes, these are the two football conferences that, without a doubt, drive college football. They drive the playoffs of college football. And let's be honest, to a certain extent, they drive the massive revenues of college football, or at least a good chunk of them. So I'm going to stick with the should. I'm going to stick with a fantasy they shouldn't. But it doesn't mean that it won't be a reality that they won't try to do it anyway, Craig. So, I mean, you are Mr. College Football. So uh, that's just my take on it. But yours is probably well more informed than mine. So I'm going to defer to you on this one. Well, once we eliminate the Big Ten... And once we eliminate the Pac-12, not that they had a great chance of winning the championship, because of that, this is a reality. It should just be the ACC and the SEC to determine the championship because the Big 12, no matter how well they do, they're not going to be in the championship game. We've seen this play out now for the last 10 years. It's very rare for them to be in that spot because at some point, the defense of a team in the Big 12 is going to let them down. See it every year. Now, That being said, can you just do a two-conference season and have a playoff? It's better than nothing, I have to say. In in my perfect world, what would I like? I'd like fans to be able to go to these games, and I'd like them to push this back to November and December and then start the season and then end it in March. We'd have two football seasons this year, an NFL and a college, not running at the same time. That would be amazing. But that being said, uh, I don't think this is going to happen, so you will be correct. But my opinion, this is the way it should be. The two best conferences in college football, SEC, ACC, at the end of the season, the two best teams play, and that determines the championship. But if the Big 12 is in and some other conferences is in, are in, I don't know how they are going to figure out how a playoff can possibly be played this year, missing some conferences and not others. They can't just say, that the top four teams are going to be in and have a playoff. If they do, it's somewhat of a farce, I think, this year. But they should. uh, They very well could have the SEC and ACC and nothing else and determine this, but I don't think that that's the way that this is. Greg, I got a question for you, too. You know, it's something that, you know, we've talked so much about, like, the impact of 
TV rights and the impact of contracts and all this thing. But we really haven't touched on the impact of all those small places around these spots that are, you know, make their entire year based on those few college football games, whether it be the bars, the restaurants, the places, the small businesses around these locations of these stadiums that really basically make their annual nut off of these games. And if you're taking fans away from them, what kind of what that happens? And it, I struggle with this, Craig, because I, I know I know you love college football. I, I certainly adore the sport as well. But it, I struggle with the 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 walking that line between what happens to a, a young student athlete if, God forbid, they get this and God forbid they take a turn for the worse. And, and is it worth uh, worth a life and death scenario? And, but at the same time, you have all the other issues with the financials and the and the businesses around it. Craig, I, mean, it, I imagine this is a huge struggle, even in your mind as a college football fan, too. I would love to see them play in the spring. I think that that would be great. I don't know how they could make it work, but if they could push it back and and make the assumption that there'd be a vaccine of some kind, um, that would be the best case scenario, I think, for this. But every state is governing differently, as we've seen. And right. if, if they're going to play, you now have a fractured system in college football because you have arguably two of the power five that have bowed out. Doesn't mean that they can't come back in. But I, I just don't know how this all uh, gets done. And, you know, certainly I understand the kids want to play. Their financial futures are on the line. And some of the college kids have made some great points that if they are forced to go back into their communities and not have the structure of having college football, sure. they could be in more jeopardy of having the structure. And I get it. But it's also not just about them. It's about the coaches who are older. And, and it's just there's a lot of layers. There's a lot to so it. It is not an easy answer. And, yeah. and, and look, it's not an easy answer in the NFL either. And if, and if your worst case scenario that you just mentioned even plays out in the NFL, we're down that, we're down that same road too. And, and by the way, there's 20, 20 year old kids playing in the NFL also older yeah. kids in college than in the NFL. So, uh, but not being paid. Okay. Uh, here we go. Question number two for fantasy or reality. Let's move it over to Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies. And he's hitting 500 right now. I think we would agree that's not going to happen. But 400 is definitely well within reason. We're two weeks away from having the first month done. Fantasy or reality, Joe, Charlie Blackman will hit 400 in 60 games this season. 400 is the number. I'm going to say fantasy. I know it's very tempting. It's very tempting because he plays in Colorado, but he is just on an incredible streak. And, and I actually tried to peel into how many guys had back-to-back 400 average months over the last year or so. And we've got a couple, like, a couple guys who hit 400 over a month. But two months, that doesn't really happen, let alone the 500 that Charlie Blackman's in now. So there will be an adjustment. Again, this is peak Charlie Blackman in keeper leagues to sell off and get. If you can get like a some sort of package with Charlie Blackman and somebody else, you can bring back an Aloya Menes for the future. Oh, my goodness. What a great trade that would be. But like, like I said, I just I find it hard to believe that over 60 games, anybody in the current situation of baseball can hit 400. Greg, what do you think? Do you think this is a fantasy or reality? Yeah, I think he'll hit 400 at course, and we've seen that happen before. Yes. In fact, my my good buddy Jeffrey Hammonds, uh, in the one season that he played in Colorado, hit 400 at course field. So I, I definitely think he will hit 400 at course. I do not think that he will hit 400 for the season. My guess is somewhere around the 370, 380 range, and I think that that would still be a phenomenal season for him, but that would be a major pullback from 500, which I think that you're right, is more realistic than anything else. I will tell you this, if Charlie Blackman is still hitting 490 in two weeks from now, we're going to have a different conversation. But as of right now, I'm going to say fantasy. He will not hit 400 in 60 I have a question games. for you before we go to the next one. I'd love to get your opinion on this about Charlie Blackman. 
if this was a 162 game season and Charlie Blackman somehow hit 400, do you think people would take all these shots at him because it was in Colorado half of his games and no. not give him all the credit no. he would deserve? No. You no, think he would, would get not. all the credit he deserved. Todd Helton hit 360. Larry Walker hit 360, 370. I know, but they did hit 400. There, there would be some, but it would not be fair. Listen, Charlie Blackman can't do anything but play in the stadium that he's asked to play. And there's been, there have been players at cores that have hit 360, 370. And I think that it would be 100% legitimate if he hit 400 in a 162, which he would never do. And, and the other point of this, too, is that, and the key difference in fantasy is that if this was a 162, I would trade Charlie Blackman. There is no way I would trade Charlie Blackman now if it was if it was not a keeper in a well, redraft. Said, he is I, healthy. Yeah, say, is hitting. Keeper, keeper leagues only right now. Keeper leagues. Yeah, this keeper is your, this in, your, in, in Charlie a Blackman. He's playing every day. Productivity. That's all I can ask for in fantasy. Right. We got half the guys that are out. Remember, Charlie Blackman. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, already had the virus, right? Uh, gosh, so, you know, I can't. I can't think so. But I I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> so, so, I think he's good the rest of the year. Oh, yeah, I think. He was one I don't of the first know. ones. Yes, yes, he was one of the first early guys. Yes, he was. So yeah, so I'm. I'm I feel. I feel good about him playing the rest of the year too. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Finally, let's cap it. Let's cap it off with this. Uh, the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air um, is getting a reboot, Joe, and um, it's really interesting to me because. We've seen a lot of reboots, but apparently uh, a fan had a YouTube site, basically, where he discussed uh, how he would do it, where he would do it, why he would do it. We know Uncle Phil, unfortunately, passed away uh, over the last couple of years. But for me, uh, anything that Will Smith is in is really cool. I really enjoy him as an actor. And a lot of the movies that are in are actually really good and watchable. The last Netflix uh, movie that he was in was not so good, actually. I take that back. But uh, in general, I'm a big Will Smith fan. Although this would be a drama, Joe. So fantasy reality, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, drama worth a reboot. Fantasy reality. You know, I'm always skeptical of these, but the the reboot continuation of Cobra Kai was one of my favorite indulgences. It was very funny, very poignant, took a whole different spin where basically you're looking at the whole story from not Daniel LaRusso's point of view, but from Johnny's of being the guy and, and this kid coming in. And, and basically you saw the story in a whole different light. It was really interesting, really fun. I think if you're going to do this as a drama, I think it actually would play. I, I think I think reality, if you're going to go out there and take some serious issues on, and and this show used to do that. In fact, this summer, my kids started watching a little reruns of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and they really enjoyed it. And there were a couple of topics and some moments there um, that you really kind of sit back and go, wow, this is really relevant right now. And I think that's what people are seeing. You go back and you look at some of the relevance of things 10, 20 years ago, and you say, wow, why are we having the same conversation still and these same things are going on? And I think changing the gear of it a little bit, making it a drama, is an interesting idea. So I would be all for it because I think there's still a lot to be said, considering we're in the same kind of turmoil now that we were 20 years ago with some of these these topics uh, about social injustice and things of that nature. And and they, this was a comedy that wasn't afraid to go there. So I actually think this will be a good idea. Craig, what about you? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm reality here, and 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 look again. Will Smith's a really good actor, so I I don't know how they'll redo it again, and it it will be interesting for sure. But among all of the reboots, I would say that this was one of the more popular shows that was basically universally liked by everyone. Yeah. You don't have a lot of people that are out there that are saying I did not like this program, and it still holds up to some degree today. And of course, there's a lot funny. of memes of uh, of Will Smith from this show as well. And let's be honest. Will Smith's gone through a tough time here in his marriage, and that played out on TV too. Not you in mean the, best the entanglement, way. Craig? Is that what you mean? The entanglement? Horrible. Wow. 
what a weird deal that was for sure. So yes, I'm uh, I'm rooting for him, and I was a big fan of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince also. So um, I'm hoping for success there as well. Okay, uh, as we get ready to get out of here today, we have one more piece of business to get to, and that is the Sports Grid 60. It's coming up next right here for you on Fantasy Sports Today. Joe and I will be right back here tomorrow at noon Eastern as we get into the Thursday afternoon slate of Fantasy Baseball. A couple of really, I would say, dull NBA uh, days we have ahead of us, and then we have the playoffs coming up uh, with the playing game this weekend. And next week. So stay tuned. Our Sports Grid 60 wraps us up here for this Wednesday, August the 12th, and we'll have it right after that. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid and time for our Sports Grid 60. Of course, a lot of people are getting ready for the fantasy football season. And my co-host Joe Pizapia has got a very special offer this week on the Fantasy Black Book. In fact, uh, for those of you who purchase it, you have a chance to really do something special, Joe. So why don't you tell everybody about that and then get into the Sports Grid 60. Absolutely. From Wednesday to Sunday. Thank you, Craig. We are going to be raising money for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. We did so last year, too. Raised a couple hundred dollars. It was great. Love to do a couple thousand this year. That'd be amazing. Go to Amazon. Go get your fantasy football black book there. We just updated it as of August 8th. And uh, look, you can help yourself win your league and help some kids out. And 2020 has been tough for everybody, especially uh, in the hospital wings and some spots. So uh, to help out those kids would be great. All right. My Little 60 here is this. Alex Cintron got 20 games. Laureano got six for that little tip last week. And uh, you know what? Good. Good for Cintron getting 20 games. You are a coach. You're not a player. You're supposed to be better than the players. You're supposed to be in charge of things. How dare you as a coach let yourself get away in that kind of a moment and let whatever anger, whatever it is, get the better of you, knowing the scenario, knowing what's going on. That's a clown right there. Let me tell you, you're lucky you only got 20 games. A terrible job there for a coach. And 20 games is a well-deserved suspension for Alex Intron, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, definitely the coach really was the instigator there, for sure, no doubt. All right, I'm going to end this with a little college football. And and look, Nebraska, you're a heck of a school. I get it. But what in the world with Nebraska stepping out of line and basically saying they want to leave their own conference to go play college football this year? I mean, aren't you guys supposed to be aligned with one another? And didn't the Big Ten let you in at one point, too? Nebraska made a huge mistake there. So it shouldn't be any surprise that the Big Ten slapped them around today and basically said, either you play with us or you don't play at all. Bad look for Nebraska getting into the Big Ten and then basically wanting out. It's not the way that this thing works. Learn your lesson from that. Stay with your conference. It's the way to be. That'll do it for the show today. Thanks again to Jen Ryan for coming on the program. We appreciate her. Thanks again to Chris, Brett, and Danny for putting our show together, and Joe Ranieri as well. For my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.